0: On the cover, Infantry and Lady Goliath flank a dais in a fancy bidding parlor where something no doubt expensive sits shrouded under a velvet drape. In the crowd we can see Eliza Highwire peering down the rows of bidders, past the human form of Derek the Werewolf, to where Norma tries to hide a small bag, out of which peeks the color of the Silence's trench coat. Across the cover is splashed. Can Eliza Highwire save the day? Can Infantry stop the dastardly schemes of Professor Paradox? Will Norma's secret identity stay a secret? Find out! In this issue of Hindsight's Gold Era, Byzantium Clock. Welcome back to Apex City Hindsight. This is the third and final issue of our Gold Era group. Featuring infantry, the soldier with bionic limbs, Eliza Highwire, Our high-flying acrobat with no superpowers to speak of or at all. And the silence. Radio star. Enigma. Norma. Last couple of times, uh, we had a version of Professor Paradox explode into a dust monster, which then exploded into a chaos emerald. We had a lot of uh, little pointed scenes with people uh, kind of concluding with Professor Paradox once again making an offer to infantry Not to get in his way tomorrow morning at the opening of the Walter Gibson Collection. And today, we open on the morning of the Walter Gibson Collection. So, I guess my question here is, to start off with infantry, what did you decide last night?
1: Oh yeah, I'm getting in his way.
0: (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) Beautiful.
1: He promised me to make my dreams come true. But Infantry feels very much like he can make his own dreams come true.
0: Hell yeah. That is beautiful. I love it. So, the silence. Uh, We had kind of established that you thought this was worth looking into. So the question is, are you going to the opening of the Walter Gibson uh, collection? And if so, who are you going as?
2: So the Walter Gibson, the, the opening for this is during the day, correct?
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: So I think what Norma does, and I also want to know if this is okay with you, I think Norma is going to try to ring the alarm bells at least to Highwire and also try to get to Infantry. She knows where Highwire is. Infantry's a little bit harder because she doesn't know where he stays.
0: Uh, so let's get that with uh, with Highwire then. How are you going to um, tip Highwire off?
2: Uh, I'm going to roll up to the circus at night as the silence. So as you
0: get close to Simone Park, you do realize that it is just roped off. There's, you know, police tape all over the place. Uh, there are a couple of guards posted. How do you deal with that?
2: Uh, well, there's a, a couple of panels of the silence, like, looking at the ropes, frowning, and then jumping up into the trees. So, like, he hops the ropes. He lets himself in.
0: As you head, uh, I'm assuming, towards the circus tent?
2: yeah he he um he impossible mobilities his way over to the the direction of the circus and sort of like is like creeping and sort of like listening in on like what people are saying and trying to get where um Eliza might be via context clues,
0: okay, I think that is probably gonna be an assess the situation, so go ahead mm. and give me that superior role,
2: yeah, so that's an eight,
0: so go ahead and give me one question off that,
2: yeah, what can I use to find eliza let me let me find her.
0: So as you get towards the circus tent, you do see that there's like a little, basically like a little standee setup that's got, you know, where everyone's staying. Uh, There's only a couple of circus people around at this point, because as you can tell, the whole tent is still pretty busted up from, you know, the dust monsters attack. It's still in repair at this point, but they are keeping track of where everyone is staying. So you can find like a little record book that has that in it and you get a location for Eliza. Eliza. What kind of location are you staying at at this point? Because I, you do I, technically have money, should you want to access it.
3: Mm, but I'm not. Uh, Eliza, Eliza, <laughs> I'm is a,
2: glamping.
3: Rip, rip to everybody else who's rich, but Eliza is different. Eliza, Eliza is a woman of the people, so I figure everybody is living kind of in like a tent city. And there's a pun there on circus tent and a real life depressing thing that happens when people get displaced. So Eliza is kind of staying, you know, with everybody else in kind of like, again, like like Lee said, Eliza's kind of glamping and and she's staying with, you know, like two of the other acrobats. Uh, I don't know. Is it possible that Viv would be in a tent?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. But basically, the Infernus is a family act, so they do stay together.
3: Okay, then never mind. I'm with I'm with some other people.
0: So yeah, you definitely know where Eliza is. You definitely know how to find her. Are you just going straight there?
2: Uh, yeah. What I think this essentially boils down to is Eliza sort of hanging out in like the tent, and all of a sudden the silence sort of like Batmaning down behind her and standing up and holding out the newspaper clipping that mentions the clock.
3: Oh, Mister Mister the Silence. Um, uh. Are, are you are you here to to see the circus with your? He's your,
2: gesturing more urgently with the newspaper
3: clipping. With, with your pass, your 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 yearly pass, because uh, because the the circus isn't 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 running right now. But
2: he narrows his eyes and shoves the slip of newspaper like onto like her clavicle. Like
3: the the Byzantium clock, huh?
2: The the silence just stands up, cocks a hip, and like raises an eyebrow. Like I'm gonna be there. Are you? And then he Batman's away.
3: I didn't even get to ask him if he wanted to go to the malt shop with me.
2: <laughs> so um, yeah, that boils down into like those those three panels. And then we see Norma present day at the the opening for the, the clock and she has a bag with her. And in the bag we can see like there's like a little x-ray panel of the bag and we can see that she has like the, the coat sort of folded up in there with the hat. She's wearing the hat.
0: So you've got change of costume with you.
2: Yes, should the need arise, Norma is going to uh, Superman it and just like dash into a phone booth or something and change.
0: So uh, we do see in these panels as well, uh, a couple of other people. So first off, Infantry and Lady Goliath are here, both of whom are dressed in fancy, fancy suits and ties and uh, white gloves. This is a very uniform kind of guarding. We can see in the audience the normal human form of Derek the werewolf and Eliza I would like you to describe your dad for me.
3: Eliza's dad is very rich, and he lives in the 1940s. So he looks like a very rich person in history. What that means is, if you're picturing Mr. Monopoly, you're kind of right. Except imagine Mr. Monopoly was very, very tall, and also shaped like an egg. So, like, (laughs) if Dr. Robotnik and Mr. Monopoly had a child, and that child was rich.
0: That is beautiful. Uh, so that is Augustus van Der Schick, and he is sitting right next to Derek the werewolf and chatting sort of amiably at him. Derek is pretty bored by this. He is just politely, like,
3: not turning
0: into a werewolf right now. And Eliza, are you here, and if so, in what capacity?
3: Okay, I'm totally here, and... Uh, Eliza, Eliza is undercover as a socialite type, which I guess technically she is because her dad is very rich. So Eliza is wearing dress clothes, not, not a dress, uh, per se, but wearing like a, a, a pants suit. I don't know if that was a thing in the 40s, but it is now. And her hair is done nice. And, and she's kind of just walking around the party trying to, like, schmooze with everybody and see if she can kind of find out more information that way.
0: Okay, and I'm assuming your dad, uh, you haven't, like, gone to say hi to him or anything, like...
3: Am I even aware that he's here?
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, looking like he looks and being as ostentatious as he is, absolutely.
3: Then, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of consciously uh, avoiding him. I keep kind of, like, you know when you look the other, like down and in the other direction whenever you pass by someone that you don't want to talk to like that whenever whenever i happen to walk by
0: at this point the presentation proper sort of begins and an an older woman with uh, a very like dark streak in her otherwise white hair uh she's got little like pence nez glasses on and like a severe sort of black pencil sort of dress comes forward and, like, very politely clears her throat and all, like, the the chattering in the room stops. And as she does, two large young men wheel out this big standee uh, on which something is covered with a black satin cloth. And she announces to the room, recently imported from Forgotten Sicily, the Byzantium clock. And they they whip the uh, the cloth off of this thing. And what you see, and I'm actually going to Right quick, uh, just drop an image into this, but I'm going to describe it for the people at home. Is something that looks kind of like a funnel, but not really. So it's two pillars on either side of a bowl. And in the center, there is an inverted cone into which water flows. And as it flows, it channels down these little grooves in the cone that are marked uh, with symbols that we would know as numbers The ones in the image are, uh, you know, Arabic numerals. The ones on this thing are definitely not. But as she goes on to explain, this was recently unearthed in a sealed chamber. And ladies and gentlemen, I wish to inform you that the water you see flowing through this at this very moment is the very same that was when we found it. We don't know how it recycles itself or from whence it came. None of us have yet, in fact, even touched it. The bidding will start at $30 million. At that point, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Augustus van der Scheck, you know, raises his hand. And the bidding starts, uh, which in 1940s money, thirties million is a fucking lot. This is also the point at which I would like at least one of you, and I, I don't necessarily uh, care who, but I do want to go with infantry because you are directly on watch. I would like you to maybe assess a situation since you know a thing that might be happening today.
1: I would also like to assess the situation.
0: I thought I thought
1: you might. My dice would. Uh... That is superior. Okay, thank God I've got a plus three. That is a nine.
0: Nice. Uh, so yeah, give me give me one off that list. Uh, what here can I use to blank? What here is the biggest threat? What here is in the greatest danger? Who here is most vulnerable? Or how could we best end this quickly? Uh, I'm gonna say what here is the biggest threat as the bidding starts. You can see uh, a strapping young fellow who was seated next to Augustus van der Schick, you know, lift himself up out of his chair and he's kind of like loosening a cravat that was around his neck. And as he does, he is growing substantially. He's kind of moved out of sight uh, like off towards the rear so that not everyone realizes this. But he is definitely bulking up and starting to like grow fur. So something's going on there. And you can see like his teeth starting to like lengthen into fangs. And at the same time, Behind you, you hear that telltale pop of Professor Paradox telejaunting into a scene. So, you've kind of got two answers there. Am I
1: nearby to Lady Goliath? Yeah, probably. I think I'm going to, like, try to signal to get her attention and point off towards the man rapidly transforming into a werewolf. Just be like, ma'am, that seems more your style. I've got the crazy man and the... With the...
0: yeah, him over there. I tell you what, let me describe what Paradox looks like at this point. Because this is a different Paradox than we've seen yet. Like I said, there's lots of him. So this Professor Paradox is wearing a very low V-cut shirt that comes all the way down to his navel. Oh my god. Skin tight at the hips. They are white, probably some sort of cotton, but they're clinging in a way that you're not familiar with. This is uh, a spandex cotton blend. These are (laughs) bell-bottom pants with sequins all the way down to his wide, wide bottoms. Uh, He's a little bit taller than last time you saw him because he is in fact wearing platform shoes.
2: Do they have fish in them?
0: I was about to say,
2: yes. Thank god. They they each
0: have you know a very distressed looking goldfish uh, in the heel, and he is in fact wearing a huge watch on a chain around his neck.
3: Oh my god! Uh, otherwise... You've done it! You've found the ultimate, Professor Paradox.
2: <laughs> oh my god! What this an is icon.
3: my final form. <laughs>
2: What an icon!
0: He is still wearing a top hat and monocle, mind you. Of (laughs) course!
3: I have taste, do I not?
0: (laughs) Right? So that's, that's what Professor Paradox looks like at this point. And as he pops in, the werewolf fully werewolves. Lady Goliath kind of nods at you and very quickly starts moving through the crowd, who is kind of starting to get a little bit distressed at this point on their own. So I'd like to get over to Norma right quick because that just happened.
2: Uh, Yeah, Norma sees that and she has like a little spidey sense squiggle lines over her head. And she sort of takes a, a quick look around the room to see if she can sort of like slip out one of the doors in the back and change real quick. Um, As she's doing this, does she spot Eliza?
3: Sure. I'm not really known for being conspicuous.
2: Yeah, that's the that's why I figured it would probably be easy. She also sees infantry there. Um, but of course she's not in her silence garb right now. So she's just like some random brunette standing amongst the crowd. So yet, um, it's, it's sort of hard to tell that Norma is the silence because she's in Norma mode. So she sees you two and she sees Eliza specifically. And she, um, has like a little, she gets a little smile on her face for just like half a second and then whoops out, like out the doorway. And like checks to make sure the coast is clear, and she throws on her overcoat and her hat and her mask, and the silence is here. And she sort of like sticks the bag behind a, a pedestal or something. They have those in these kinds of environments. Sure,
0: sure. Pedestals, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah,
2: and it, th- it had you know just just a, a pedestal hanging around in this um, museum type situation, and then slips back into the room.
0: Nice. And I think at this point, I also want to get a reaction from Eliza. So, what do you do at this point?
3: Well, Eliza is very much, like, the word I'm going to use is, like, overstimulated. Like, she's not really sure where to look first, because she's like, oh, it's, it's my father. And also, oh, it's Professor Paradox, and he's living his best life. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, it's, it's Derek, and he's so handsome and werewolfy. And also, oh, is that Norma? because um i know i mentioned this during character creation but i don't think we recorded that eliza mentioned that uh, that that the silence was tied for her number one favorite celebrity
2: she mentions this to the silence in episode 1
3: yes no i know i know that but i'm saying i didn't mention who the other person who that's tied with is and it is norma the woman who plays the silence's girlfriend on the silence radio show so Eliza is, like, whirling in, like, little circles, trying to figure out what needs her immediate attention. And, you know what? Eliza sees Lady Goliath and infantry, and Eliza's like, They'll at least take care of the the opening part of this. I'm gonna find Norma. And she runs after Norma. (gasps)
0: Uh-oh.
3: Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Norma!
0: So so you run out.
3: (laughs) Oh, Oh, this is good. This is
0: good. It is what it is. You run out the door. You see Norma mid-change. Norma, oh my god. What- what do you do?
2: Well, thank god I wasn't in a state of undress because I already had my trousers on. Norma looks back at- at Highwire slash Eliza, and there's this sort of moment of, like, panic. Like, what- like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I try to, like- do I, do I try to, like, play it off? Like, up oh, nothing to see here. And then she takes the mask and she pulls it down over her face and looks at Highwire. Uh,
0: I think that definitely does trigger the mask. So which label are you embodying right now?
2: Yeah, so I think that I'm going to be embodying Savior. Okay. For those of us listening at home, you wear a mask and hide your real identity. You embody Savior while wearing your mask. Once per session, you can affirm uh, with your heroic or secret identity to switch your mundane with Savior. So my Savior is now to plus three.
0: But also when you reveal your secret identity to someone who didn't know it already, you mark potential. Potential.
2: That fills my track.
0: Nice. And since this is the last uh, episode of this, go ahead and take an advancement because we're not going to get to it next
2: session. Yeah. Uh, All right. So... Uh, For advancement, I'm going to take another move from my playbook. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick game face. When you commit yourself to saving someone or defeating a terrible enemy, mark a condition and take plus one ongoing to all roles in direct pursuit of that goal.
0: That's pretty dang good.
2: That sounds uh, pretty helpful for the situation we're about to get ourselves into. So yeah, Norma looks at Eliza and then pulls the mask down over her face and becomes the silence. Nice.
0: Uh, So let's get back inside right quick because stuff is definitely progressing. So at this point, Lady Goliath has come up towards Derek, who has now gone full on werewolf. And he has got like the glowing wolf eyes and he lets out this like unearthly howl and people just start freaking the hell out and screaming and trying to rush towards the front and away from this giant werewolf. And Lady Goliath wheels back and says, oh, I'm sorry, but you're being a public nuisance and slugs him straight in the chest and through the wall. You two out in the alleyway do hear this, like, crumble of bricks, and you see a werewolf fly out the wall past you and impact the wall opposite. While inside, infantry, Professor Paradox has slid his way on up to stand next to you and kind of looks over at you and goes, Well, what's it gonna be, Roger? I really don't want to do this the hard way, but I I, I I see that look in your eye, and I, I feel like we're friends now. I just came from your grandson's reception. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm part of your family right now. I, I but I know that look. I think I think you're thinking about something that I that we're both going to regret here.
1: With all due respect, I don't think I'm going to regret this. And infantry just punches him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> go ahead and directly engage the threat.
2: Good. Excellent. I love it.
1: All right. That is a 10. <laughs> nice. So go ahead and pick two off that list. First off, I will resist or avoid their blows. Fair. And let's see. I think I want to impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition, because we were just casually having a conversation, and then I'm punching him as hard as I can.
0: Yeah, I think I think he is definitely a bit frightened by this. How hard are you hitting him? Because you've got bionic limbs.
1: Yeah, like, I'm not gonna, sh- like, shatter his face bones or anything like that. It's just enough to send him flying a little bit and just, like... Infantry is clearly not... Well, wait. What's our language cap on this podcast? You do you do what you want. Okay. Infantry's not fucking around.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah. He goes kind of, like, flying a little bit uh, as people are fleeing from, you know, the uh, the superhero fight that's happening literally on the other side of the room. And I think he sort of, like, hits one of the, uh, the glass cases that hasn't been opened yet and kind of, like, bounces off it. Not, like, shatters it, but, like, just bounces a little bit. And he kind of, like, rubs his jaw. And he looks over at you, after all the wedding presents I've given your family over the years, this is how you repay me. <laughs> he sort of like dusts himself off and stands up and, all right, fine, I guess we're doing this the hard way. And he like grabs the giant clock on his, uh, on his chest and spins the dials. And all around you, people just freeze. Like there are, there's still, like, brick dust, like, floating down from the ceiling, and it just stops in midair. And you find it very difficult to move. So let's get back outside into that alleyway right quick. Werewolf just happened, and you can see Lady Goliath, like, starting to stalk out from inside, and then she just slows down and, like, pauses mid-step, like, one foot up in the air. What do you do?
3: Go- Lady Goliath?
0: Yeah, she, she is just frozen.
2: So everything is frozen except for us, including Lady Goliath, who is presumably, like, mid-Superman punch on this werewolf's face.
0: So the things that are inside the building, which you can see through the hole in the wall she just punched, are suspended in time. Uh, the werewolf that is out in this alleyway is not, nor are you. Basically, nothing outside that room is frozen. But it looks I- like just about everything inside is.
3: Well, first I'm going to say... The silence. Uh, we're gonna have a lot to talk about in like you know, I don't know, two three minutes. Uh, but 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 first, I have to I have to check on a friend of mine, and I'm gonna run over to the werewolf and I'm gonna say, Derek, Derek, are you okay? It's me, your new best friend, Eliza.
2: In the background, <laughs> the silence is gesturing at this like, what the hell, man?
3: Um... Werewolves can be friends. To the silence. I think I want you to comfort or support. I'm going to comfort or support this werewolf.
2: Support that werewolf!
0: Because you can tell that this took a bit out of him. He is like, knocked for a doozy.
3: That is a 10. So, nice. I'm getting all my good rolls this time.
0: So let's just start with the what you can do on a 10+. plus. Do you want to add a team to the pool? Because right now you've just got the one standard. Or do you want to clear a condition?
3: I'll clear a condition. I I had one I had insecure so I'll clear that I think Eliza is too excited right now to be insecure there's too much too much exciting stuff going on and he kind of like
0: shakes his head and like starts to kind of like stand up from the rubble that he finds himself in and he's starting to dust himself off and he looks over at you and he goes
1: oh
0: and he kind of like blushes a little bit I'm sorry I wasn't intending you to get involved in this I'm just fine thank you very much
3: Please, I'm always involved in everything. It's kind of my deal. The Silence, what are you doing at this point?
2: The Silence is watching this unfold, like, an extremely, like, what-the-fuck sort of thing. But also, the werewolf isn't trying to kill Eliza or him, so he's gonna kind of, like, let that situation sort-, sort itself out. What he does is he looks in the building... And um, he takes, he picks up a chunk of rubble from where uh, Derek the werewolf was blasted through the wall, and he chucks it into the building um, specifically to see if it stops in time or not.
0: So as you chuck it in, as it crosses the threshold of that building, it definitely slows down, but it looks like whatever happened in there, it's not like an ongoing thing, so it'll probably make you slower if you go in there, but not stop you entirely. Okay. At that point, Derek kind of looks over to Liza and looks in there. And he kind of lets out a little growl and he goes, damn it. And he and he kind of looks back over to Liza and he pulls a pocket watch out of the front of his peacoat and he looks at the time. And he looks back at you and he goes, I'm almost out of time here. And he starts to rush back in. Let's get back inside right quick. So infantry, the world has stopped and you are still conscious of what's going on. Paradox is... Very calmly, just kind of walking over towards the Byzantium clock and sort of considering it. He hasn't actually touched it yet. It looks like he's trying to figure something out. And you are moving, but you are moving like molasses. So, like, it's going to take a great effort for you to to actually reach him in any kind of considerable time. But the question is, what are you trying to do?
1: I think... I'm not sure. While I'm, like, trying to run forward towards him, I think I might be... If you don't mind trying to assess the situation, maybe get my surroundings a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I think you've got plenty of time to do that, so uh, go
1: ahead and roll for it. That is a six on the dice, plus my three superior is a nine.
0: Nice. Uh, so you, you know what? You are engaging Professor Paradox, who you did see as the, uh, the biggest threat last time, so I think that plus one actually does carry over. So, so we'll give you the ten on that, so go ahead and ask two of those questions.
1: Okay, uh, the first one is what here can I use to basically get between Professor Paradox and his goal, if that makes sense? Yeah. I can't get there in time. What here can I use to sort of stop
0: him? Okay, you do see, as you, you can kind of move your eyes a little better than the rest of you because they don't take a whole lot of effort, and you can tell that this is not necessarily like purely a time travel thing. But you do see the silence throw that, like, half a brick in through the the wall of the building, and you see it slow down but not stop. So anything that comes in this room at this point is, while slowed down, not stopped entirely. So in theory, if you can communicate, you know, what's going on to someone outside this room, they could definitely help you.
1: All right. And sort of half-related to that,
0: how can we best end this quickly? So you've seen Paradox a couple of times now. And every time, he himself is not a physically imposing villain. He's just a guy with some
3: gadgets.
2: (laughs) He's just a nerd.
0: (laughs) Right? He is just a nerd with some gadgets. I'm a very cool nerd. He's
2: just a nerd with very little groin coverage at the moment.
0: Yeah. And all of his actual power comes from those gadgets. And in this case, he's got a giant clock strapped to his chest on a chain around his neck. So... If you take that away from him, he is basically powerless. Oh, right.
1: I am trying to figure out what infantry would be trying to communicate. Because I know there's people outside of this sort of time
0: dilution bubble, right? Yeah, yeah. You can you can at least see at least the werewolf is starting to come back in. Whether that's comforting to you or not, who knows. Is the silence uh, also moving back in the room? Is that something that we can see out the...
2: He's sort of like... Uh, I think the, the silence is sort of like conferring with Eliza what she's going to do. Like, we are we okay. going to crash this party again? Or what are we going to do here?
0: So infantry, at that point, you've got some information. You can move. It is just very, very
1: slow. So what are you doing? I'm assuming if I talk, it would
0: also be very slow. Yeah, but sound moves much faster than you do.
1: I'm going to yell over towards the alleyway. Just be like, I'm trying to think of the quickest way to sort of paraphrase my thoughts. I
0: think he's just going
1: to yell out projectiles quickly.
2: Great, I love throwing rocks.
0: At that point, Paradox kind of looks over at you and just sort of scowls. And uh, he looks and he kind of like shakes the clock on his chest and he goes, Ha, this thing must be on the fritz. You're supposed to be stuck tight outside in the alleyway. What are you doing?
2: Well, the silence never passes up a golden opportunity to chuck rocks at nerds. Uh excuse
3: me, excuse me. I think we can do this with a little more style. And I am um, going when
2: hold on, when when High wire is saying this to the silence, uh the silence has his leg cocked up like a, a baseball pitcher. So and he stops like that.
3: I am going to uh, let's see. I did I did juggling balls already. What's something else? Big ol' slingshot. That's not really a circus thing.
2: You said the circus has everything!
3: Oh, I know what I'm gonna do. So, somehow, through the magic of my umbrella, which I didn't say I didn't have, you know that thing that they do where there are the plates and you spin them on a stick? Yes. Yeah, so I have I have one of those, but literally I'm just chucking the... I spin the plate on the top of the very tall stick, and then... I throw it into the air, catch the plate, and throw this plate at Professor Paradox.
2: Porcelain okay. Frisbee!
3: <laughs>
0: okay, directly engage a threat, and oh, I I don't know whether I want you to roll high or low here. This could be good either way.
3: I just want to remind everybody that we have a team in the pool if it comes to this.
0: We do, we do, and we're about to have more.
3: Oh, that's a seven.
0: Okay, pick one off of that uh, off of that list.
3: So I am going to create an opportunity for my allies, because I think that's what I was trying to do.
0: Sure, sure. And what opportunity specifically are you trying to create?
3: We're try- I'm trying to, like, hit the clock, because I think I can kind of figure out that that's what is keeping people from moving well. So I'm going to try to hit the clock and see if that fixes the time issue.
0: Okay, I like that. So yeah, you hit the clock, which... Paradox was kind of shaking, right? So you hit it, and your plate just like tinks, and it kind of spins, and everything in the room starts moving very, very quickly. So you go kind of in the other direction for a minute, and as we come back out of that, Paradox is kind of off balance, infantry's off balance, uh, Lady Goliath is definitely off balance, and Derek the uh, the werewolf has bounded into the room and is like just about to raise his claw at paradox and i want to enter uh battle as a team right quick because we're now all performing teamwork so we got two to the pool which takes us up to three normal uh who do we think is in control of this fight right now
2: i would say infantry
0: okay infantry do you have influence over the other your other two teammates i don't
1: believe that i do or maybe i do i don't honestly
0: I've lost my influence somehow. I'm not sure. Well, that's fine. Eliza, uh, uh, the silence. Does infantry have uh, influence over the two of you?
2: I'm pretty sure he has influence over me. I don't have it written down who has influence over me.
0: Well, let me put this another way. Do you want to give him influence over you? Sure. Yeah, because <laughs> you can do that at any time. So. Uh, awesome. Do any of you mistrust the rest of you? I, I don't. I can't see that at this point.
2: I do not mistrust anybody. And I don't think you're
0: ill-prepared or off-balance, so I don't think I'm going to worry about that too much. So at this point, we have four team in the pool. And with that, so infantry, you had a very brief moment where time went really, really fast, and you are now very off your balance and feeling kind of nauseous, but you do see a flippin' werewolf about to maybe take off Professor Paradox's face. What do you do? I'm torn. I hate to
1: have to do this, but werewolf attack is not really in my wheelhouse. I think I'm going to try to defend Professor Paradox. Okay. I want to take him in, not dismember him. Okay. Uh, So yeah, go ahead and roll plus savior. I have some of that. That is a 10.
0: Nice. On a hit, you definitely keep him safe. What does that look like on the page? How are you defending
1: him? Yeah, I'm, uh... Now that my legs are working again, I'm basically just, like, turbocharging them and... More or less throwing myself between the werewolf and Professor Paradox.
0: Pick one off of that list. Do you want to add a team to the pool, clear condition, or take influence over Professor Paradox? I think I'm going to take influence over him.
2: Yes! That's what I was hoping you'd say. To
0: to be fair, he has been to several weddings in your family and at least one reception,
3: so... (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) love this guy. I care so much about what he thinks. And
0: he kind of looks up at you and he goes, Ah... there's the Roger I know. <laughs> and uh, Lady Goliath at this point is was like mid-swing when this all happened, and she has kind of like stumbled and like fallen against a pillar, and she's now shaking off of that, and like she turns around, and she sees this werewolf thing happening. I want to get to Eliza, though, right quick. How are you reacting to this? Because I don't know if you were expecting Derek to like flat-out attack Paradox like that.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't. I'm going to uh, run over to Derek. Derek! Can't, can't we just talk this out?
0: The silence. What are you doing?
2: The, the silence follows Eliza and sort of like skids to a halt because he was expecting to jump into this to punch someone. And mm-hmm. it appears that we're trying to talk things out with the werewolf, which was, again, not the direction that he anticipated this going in. He's he's going to kind of do the, the fighting game um, idle motion. Okay. <laughs> And wait, wait, wait until he can, he can reliably throw himself at something and hit it.
0: So at this point, Eliza, I would like you to provoke someone susceptible to your words. So it seems like you're trying to get Derek to maybe talk this out.
3: Well, um, that is, uh, nine minus one is eight.
0: Uh, well, we do have some team in the pool. So in theory, if, uh, if infantry and the silence can both help here, we could
3: bring that up if we want to, or we could take the eight. Well, that's up to infantry and the silence. Yep.
1: Infantry definitely wants to end this without dismembering the nerd. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, the silence will will lend a team.
1: Okay.
0: And how uh, how will they help?
1: Like, I think that as infantry threw himself between the werewolf and the uh, what was it, Doctor Paradox,
3: Professor, Professor Paradox. He's-, He's got a PhD. I love alliteration.
1: As he like throws himself between the werewolf and Professor Paradox, he, like, grabs hold of the werewolf's arm and sort of, like, stops it from scratching down across his face. And he's just like, Hold on there, big guy. Isn't there something with a little less disembowelment we can
0: figure out here? Nice, nice. And the silence, how do you assist in this?
2: Uh, the silence sort of, like, gets himself between the, the werewolf and Professor Paradox, but his, his hands are kind of up. In a a sort of I don't want any trouble kind of stance. Like, if you're not going to attack me, I'm not going to attack you. Maybe we can end this peacefully.
0: Sure. Uh, So, yeah, I think that'll definitely do it. So that takes us uh, down to two in the pool. And Derek the werewolf kind of like has his claw up. And you can tell he's thinking about it for a second, even with like infantry holding on to him and uh, the silence there. And then he just kind of like snarls and shifts back down into a human person and turns away. But as he does, you see, I think Eliza's in the best position to see this. You see just an app, like a look of recognition cross Paradox's face. He looks shocked, at which point he doesn't say anything. He just smacks the little button on top of the clock on his chest and just poofs. He's just gone. So yeah, Eliza, whoever this werewolf is, Paradox recognized him and it shocked him so much. He just abandoned his plan. And Derek, uh, hearing that pops closes his eyes And takes a breath. You have no idea
3: what you've just done. I usually don't, Derek.
0: He heads over. At this point, the people who are attending this gallery opening have long since fled. And he sits down in one of the, uh, you know, dust-strewn chairs. Lady Goliath is kind of, like, confusedly still got her hands up like I thought a fight was happening. And he looks over. That was my best chance to take him out for good. And now I don't think there's any stopping what's about to happen and he pulls the watch out of his pocket and he kind of looks at it and we can see on the page that it has stopped ticking and he kind of closes his eyes again and sticks it back in there there's always another chance and he pushes the button on top of that and he too disappears
2: a time wolf the werewolf is a time traveler too hold on
0: hold on i've been waiting three three full episodes to say this he's a wen wolf
2: oh my god Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and
0: I want to get a very quick reaction of these three characters in this sort of rubble-strewn, otherwise very fancy uh, space. The Byzantium clock is still here, and it is still turning. How do, how do they close out this episode uh, and this particular issue on your end? What's the last kind of, like, scene we get with these characters?
3: Well, um, I, I, have, I have one thing that I know I need to do. So, well, first of all, I'm going to just say, huh, you two would not believe how many of Viv's boyfriends this happens to. Anyway, the, the silence, uh, just, just so you know, uh, I just want to let you know that, um, if you'd like to, uh, maybe get, uh, go to the malt shop with me after we're done cleaning up here, uh I'd love to talk to you about my other favourite celebrity, uh, who's who's tied for first. That uh that that wonderful wonderful actress who plays your your girlfriend on the radio. I'd I'd love to have a conversation with you uh about her at some point.
2: The silence has uh, little blush lines coming through his mask. And he, um, he sort of draws himself up and sort of, like, shakes his shoulders out and, uh, straightens his hat. And then he he looks over at Infantry, like, sort of like, how, how are you doing, boss?
1: Infantry looks at his two teammates and he seems deep in thought for a panel. Then he says, Well, not exactly sure when it's gonna happen, but apparently sometime I'm getting married... And I think the two of you might want to show up. And I think that we get the panel and on the lapel of his suit jacket is one of those blue flowers that was left in his kitchen. Oh, oh, oh my God, it.
2: Andy,
0: that is so good. Masks A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of plenty rugged pills, patsies, and pallies, all cute as a bug's ear in spandex. It's real kippy, so shake a leg and drop some lettuce on it, you pip. Infantry is played by Andy. You can find him and his many other projects on Twitter, at andylion92. The Silence, slash Norma Kelly, is played by Lee of the Rollout Podcast. You can find them on Twitter, at it's Ham Hawks. Eliza Highwire is played by Evan of the Rollout Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Uncle Petunio. Lowdown is that Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, which same scrub also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Ash Brent. Find them on Twitter at Cinder Underscore Brent on Instagram at Brandt dot Ash and on Tumblr at Kimmons. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever clip joint you prefer. Cinder Dick. Follow us on Twitter at Apex City Cast. Thank you for listening, and we'll dig you next issue. So Infantry gets home uh, later that evening, and you've still got, you know, dust all over your suit jacket, and you've got that little uh, flower in your lapel, and as you enter, you hear this telltale pop from your kitchen, and I'm pretty sure you know who's in there by now. I've got
1: an idea. Infantry just walks straight over. He's like, I'm getting real tired of dealing with this.
0: And as you walk in, this is a very different paradox than you've seen, because you didn't see the very old paradox who died at the beginning of this, you just saw the monster that happened afterwards. This is an honestly ancient looking Professor Paradox, he is older than anyone you have ever seen, or really older than anyone you think should be able to exist. And he is wearing all sorts of machinery that look to be keeping him mostly alive. He's got a little tube in his nose. He's got something on his chest that you can tell is making, like, the the cardio rhythm, like the thump-thump-thump-thump kind of thing. And there are just clocks and wristwatches just all up and down his left arm. And he reaches out an arm and he grabs you by the shoulder. Roger! Oh, thank God I finally got back. Roger! You have to stop me. You have to stop me.